0: 14 of The Wheel. This year we're getting attuned to the season and here's Jenny to explain a bit more.
1: So this week we are beginning our lean into the season of Samhain. It's often referred to as the season of the witch and we joke that it's the time of year that many pagans remember that they are pagans with all the plastic bats and cauldrons that can be found in the shops. It's a time that we associate with the thinning of the vow, the ancestors and the returning dark. I work in further education and the academic year is frenetic to me. I struggle with the dark mornings and the dark evenings during my commute and my mental health can be impacted. I used to find myself fighting the darkness trying to make my world brighter and with a society that tends to be switched on 24/7 with electric lights and pinging smart devices i wonder have we become obsessed with trying to scare away the dark this divorce from the natural world can have long term impacts on our health and well-being in this week's episode we're going to explore welcoming the returning dark self-care in autumn and discussing the amazing Crossbone Cemetery and their vigils for the outcast dead. So over to you, Hazel. How do you fare with the returning dark?
0: To be honest, I probably don't always particularly look forward to this time of year, especially when the clocks go back. So you're getting up in the dark to go to work and you're coming home in the dark. That feels limiting on what you can do. I always hope for relatively mild winters or if we have to have very cold weather that it's only for a few days. My house is old and it can get very cold. I think the current pandemic will make things more challenging this year. Personally, I won't be able to visit anyone else's home or go into a restaurant. The only way of socialising for me this winter will be via Zoom or outside if the weather is good. Apparently, there have been a massive increase in outdoor heaters and fire pits. The lack of normal human contact at such an anxious time will make this year's winter that bit more difficult. But I think it's also a time of the year when the elements are at their rawest. A roaring fire, ice or the hard rain, or that biting east wind. Maybe because of that, it's a good time for me to work with the elements. A walk on a cold crisp morning can be a lovely thing. However, a ritual in gay false winds and heavy rain is not pleasant. I think it's the best time of the year to take up baking and I will certainly be looking to improve my bread making and introduce pagan themes into it. I'm looking forward to making my meditation practice more regular and I want to start the day with a meditation outside. Yes, I know that does sound weird to start this in winter and if it's pouring with rain, I probably will stay inside. But I think if it's dry, then wrapped up in my fleecy cloak and early morning meditation against a background of birdsong will be a great start to the day. I think also this year I'm going to use the extra time I will have by myself as a sort of retreat and catch up on reading. I have a lot of pagan books to get through. How about you, Jenny?
1: As I mentioned in our episode exploring our relationship with the goddess, one of my matrons is Persephone. And I've often wondered whether I identify with a goddess that ascends into the underworld because it really resonates with me. Like many of us, I've experienced issues with my mental health and many of these challenges have historically happened in the autumn and some years the returning darkness is easy to lean into and other years i've experienced real struggles i've always met the returning darkness with that degree of trepidation over the years it's begun to feel like a running a gauntlet with the returning dark heralded an easy run or a struggle each year autumn would be greeted with an increasing anxiety and I would build up in my head the idea that I was going to be entering conflict or doing battle with the dark. However, in Samhain 2017, one of my gorgeous goddess sisters, Sarah, shared an article from The Guardian by Jeanette Winterson about adoring the night and I will share a link in the show notes but I wanted to share a few paragraphs. It's human to want light and warmth. Our pagan ancestors had a calendar of fire festivals and God's first recorded words, according to the Hebrew Bible, were, let there be light. Night belongs to the dark side, literally and metaphorically. Ghosts, scary monsters, robbers and the unknown. Electricity's triumph over the night keeps us safer as well as busier but what extends the day loses us the dark. We now live in a fast-moving, fully-lit world where night still happens but it is optional to experience. We now live in a fast-moving, fully-lit world where night still happens but is optional to experience. Our 24-7 culture has phased out the night. In fact, we treat the night like a fouled daylight, yet slowness and silence, the different rhythm of the night are as necessary correction to the day. I think we should stop being night resistors and learn to celebrate the changes of the seasons and realign ourselves to the autumn and the winter. Not just turn up the heating, leave the lights on and moan a lot. Night and dark are good for us. As nights lengthen, it's time to reopen the dreaming space. Have you ever spent an evening with electric light? And it's one of the things that we do nowadays at our own rituals is we allow the light to dim naturally. And we don't put on any electric lights. We just... Put on the candles as it gets darker. So the challenges of autumn include those dark mornings and dark evenings, particularly those cold, wet days when, if you've got soaked waiting at a bus stop, you spend a very cold, unpleasant, <laughs> soggy commute, getting really chilled to the bone, and it's impossible to get warm again. But the things I enjoy most about the season are those dry, crisp mornings. Snuggly clothing like cardigans and scarves and gloves, named so for by my little boy when he was little. <laughs> <laughs> and those walks where you get cold and you come home to something warm, hot chocolate or something pumpkin spiced. And I really love the sort of comforting foods we get at wintertime. You know, pies with mashed potato, soups or stews with loads and loads of crusty bread.
0: Like yourself, I find autumn can be challenging, but also it can be a great opportunity to look at self-care. For me, I think the main thing, especially at the moment, is take it easy on yourself. Give yourself time to adjust to the season. I would say it can be fleecy blankets with a hot drink, watching TV or reading. Having scented candles or wax melts can be comforting, especially ones scented with spices like cinnamon or pine. The amount of time you get to spend outside may be a lot less than in summer, so I would suggest making the most of it whether it's snowball fights or a walk on a cold sunny day or plant a tree. Just enjoy it in whatever way suits you. Maybe perform a little ritual to attune to the season that can be done using the calendar or when you feel the season has changed. Try going outside to where you are comfortable. Close your eyes and take a few deep breaths. Ground yourself. Open your eyes and touch the ground or a tree. Have a look around. What can you see and hear? What has changed? How does it look? You can write down what changes you've seen and heard. I always associate this time of year with new evening classes, especially learning a new craft. If an actual evening class isn't possible, then there are number of websites that offer creative craft courses or youtube can also be really good for this now's a good time to start making those sawane decorations and maybe think about the old ones i'm definitely going to be trying my hand at modeling air dry clay this year and i've just found a section in a book about making my own dark mirror for scrying I think this is also a great time of the year to try out your divination skills. What about you, Jen? I think it's
1: important not to have an all or nothing approach to self-care. I think in many ways self-care has been hijacked. Um, It's seen as big spa days or expensive bubble baths. But I think I like to take self-care back to basics. Listen to your body. Do you need more rest or more movement? It can be easy to spend too much time indoors, but we can get some glorious weather in autumn and the colours can be amazing. A walk outside to see the amazing autumnal colours and collect acorns and conkers can be just what you need to blow the cobwebs off. It's been a long time ambition of mine to go to a pumpkin patch to pick a pumpkin. My subtle hints to my husband have fallen many years on unresponsive ears. I think it would be very romantic. And he says he can pick one up from Aldi's for two pound. He has no romance in his soul. This year, I might just ask a girlfriend. So on that theme of asking, ask for help. This year has been tough on everyone, particularly those who live alone are elderly or disabled. The time that we've spent in lockdown and the fears around a second wave are impacting on us all. We're all feeling a bit vulnerable, so I think this year, more than ever, it's important to show up in your vulnerability. Ask for help and fight back any feelings that your problems might be a burden. Asking for help isn't a demand, it's a request. And when we get good at asking others to meet our needs, our fears of being an imposition are met with a more positive reality that actually we're not alone in our struggles and our friends too would benefit from a Zoom call or a socially distanced glass of coffee in the park. Most people are willing to pitch in and lend a hand where they can. And finally, my self-care tip is slow down. Having become someone who now embraces the returning dark, I like to make the most of these longer autumn evenings. Binge watching a favourite season of something with the aforementioned unromantic husband. Or I read more, craft more, spend more time in candlelight. Turn off the lights and snuggle down and hibernate if your body is saying rest. There is something especially lovely about coming home from the cold, changing into your PJs and eating something that has been slow cooking all day in the slow cooker. I like that when we embrace the darkness, we tend to make more time for that inner journeying. As a self-appointed queen of journaling, I like to spend duvet days with my journal, writing and releasing, and planning in this dormant time of year what I want to do for the year ahead. Um, There's a lovely lady called Domini over on a website called Blessings Manifesting and she has countless ideas tips and infographics for autumn self care practices so I really would suggest checking her out there'll be a link in the show notes.
0: Pagans often talk about liminal time or places this is the transition between one thing and something else. A place or time that fills between worlds. The time of the year is an example. Samhain is a time of transition between autumn and winter. So, and we talk of the veil thinning. itself In itself, it can be the start of a time of inner reflection that carries on through the winter. In terms of time, dawn, dusk, afternoon and midnight are liminal times. In terms of places, that's for you to go out and about in your own local surroundings. You may find a liminal place in a park or in a woodland or a hillside. For the Celts, it was rivers. It may be a sacred place or your own back garden. There, depending on what you're looking for, you can connect with the magical quality of the place. At this time of year, you may look to connect with the ancestors. Some people may look to connect with the Fae. If you are, be very careful. There are also mental states of liminality. These are whilst meditating or journeying, because we are in a state of transition between our conscious and subconscious minds. Just falling asleep Is another state of liminality. Jenny, I know you mentioned about the Crossbones Garden as being a place that you like to visit at Salwain. Do you want to tell us more about this?
1: Well, I've never actually got to visit it at a Salwain, but it's something that I'm desperate to do. So I first visited the Crossbones Garden in 2016 and they hold a vigil every month on the 23rd and it's to remember and honour the outcast dead. The site has been used as a graveyard for single women, which is a quaint euphemism for prostitutes. It was closed in 1853 because it was completely overcharged with the dead. Excavations were conducted on the land by the Museum of London Archaeology Service between 1991 and 1998 in connection with construction of the London Underground Jubilee Line. Suffolk Council reported that archaeologists found a highly overcrowded graveyard with bodies piled on top of one another. Tests showed those buried had suffered from smallpox, tuberculosis, Paget's disease, osteoarthritis and vitamin D deficiency. A dig in 1992 uncovered 148 graves, and that was just a small section of the site. And these dated from 1800 to 1853. Over one third of the bodies were perinatal between 22 weeks gestation and seven days after birth. A further 11% were under one year old. And the adults were mostly women aged 36 years and older. And it smacks of the hypocrisy of the times that these women and girls had to pay to sell themselves. They were known as the Winchester geese. And they were licensed by the bishop. Can we say that much has changed in modern society? Who speaks out today for the outcast? and those living on the fringes of society. And perhaps this is partly why the Southwark Mysteries and the Crossbones Vigils were birthed by John Constable, as a way to remember and honour those who were marginalised. The Southwark Mysteries were allegedly revealed to John Crow, trickster familiar of the Southwark poet and playwright, John Constable, by the goose. The spirit of a medieval Bankside hall licensed by the Bishop of Winchester to ply her trade within the liberty of the clink. In Constable's apocalyptic vision, John Crow encounters the goose at the crossbones, the whore's graveyard unearthed during the work on the Jubilee Line extension. She initiates him into a secret history spanning 2,000 years, a healing vision of the spirit in the flesh, the sacred in the profane, and in the eternity times. And there's a beautiful poem that's read out at the vigils. And it's Here lay your hearts, your flowers, your book of hours, your fingers, your thumbs, your miss you mums. Here hang your hopes, your dreams, your might have beens, your locks, your keys, your mysteries. And that's by John Crow. The vigil is so respectful people of all faith or none are welcome and those that wish to remember their own departed and there are several rituals that are held they renew the shrine they honour the goose spirit they remember the outcast dead they light and sweep clean the open pathways and they commune with the living in transforming acts of vision people gather and some of the history of the graveyard is shared There is a beautiful memorial garden and the gates are festooned with ribbons, toys, photos and mementos. We richly held a light and the participants are given a ribbon so that they can fasten it to the shrine. There is an opportunity to share stories, poems and songs of loss. The ritual finishes with a libation of gin and a call and response blessing. That the goose may you never hunger, goose may you never be thirsty and goose, may your spirit fly free. And these vigils are incredibly meaningful. And I only discovered last month that they're currently doing the vigils online. So do check their social media pages for further details. And if you can get along, it really is a beautiful, poignant experience.
0: Are you a pagan who has something exciting to say? We're always on the lookout for speakers to come and share a little about their pagan paths and practices. Maybe you're a poet or a musician who'd like to share some of your work with us. Please do contact us if you want to be included in future episodes of the show, either as a guest or send us something to share. For the next few episodes, we're going to be gearing up for Samhain. And hopefully we've got some very exciting features coming for you. And
1: that's goodbye from
0: me. There's a link
1: in the show notes as well to some of the resources that we've mentioned tonight about the returning dark, self-care and the Crossbone Cemetery. Please follow us on our various social media sites. Pop on over and we can open a discussion about how you feel about the returning dark your self-care tips for autumn and any significant or liminal spaces that you like to attend during the sower season.
0: and it's goodbye from me i hope you've enjoyed this episode and please do join us for the next episodes of the wheel